Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. And today I want to talk about what's going on with this Travis Scott uh, fiasco. <clears throat> uh, Travis Scott has now reached a total of $2.75 billion in lawsuits from Astro World. And uh, I know everybody else has kind of stopped talking about it because the internet's attention span is about 30 seconds. But I did an update this morning, and I think that there's some interesting financial lessons that everybody can learn from what they saw uh, with that unfortunate incident at Astro World. So we're going to break all this down. So get comfortable, buck up your seatbelt. We're going to get started on the Black Financial Channel right now. Hello, how you doing? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. That's theblackfinancialchannel.com. I am your friendly neighborhood finance professor. And on the Black Financial Channel, we talk about black wealth and black economics every day. We are obsessed about it. That's why we talk about it all the time, because that's how you become good at something. Also, we believe in the B1 philosophy. B1 means we are black first. You don't have to be black to be here, but you have to understand that our goal as black people is to close the wealth gap by understanding economics as well as we can. And so uh, also a B1 means that we must be one to be successful. So if you agree with the B1 philosophy, put a hashtag B and the number one in the chat, hashtag B1. Uh, so I see greetings from Denmark. Well, greetings to you also. Uh, actually, I have a family member. Someone in my family is actually from Denmark. It's a white boy that uh, that one of the um, well, that someone in my family married, and actually, he's actually a really nice guy. And so, people think, well, what, what, what do you think about having a white guy in your family? And I'm like, well, I, first of all, I can't choose who my relatives marry. But then, number two, uh, it's not about being around other people that bothers me. It's when I am forced to uh, submit to you that bothers me, right? So, so having a white man work for me is not a problem. But when I have to work for him, then that's an issue. So there you go. As long as as long as as I get to be the boss and he knew who the boss was in the family, he's welcome in. He's actually a good dude. So anyway, uh, shout out to Denmark. I, I plan to go visit at some point in the near future. With that being said, uh, let's talk about the Travis Scott thing. Uh, I was interested. I woke up this morning just thinking about whatever. And I decided, I said, I said I wonder what's going on with the Travis Scott thing, right? Because the internet's funny. The internet will remember things for about two days. Like, like you'll be the hottest topic in the world for about two days. And then suddenly, and suddenly, like people just forget, like suddenly everything just goes away. Right. And uh, and I, I thought about that. And I said, man, we had Travis Scott and all those people that died at the Travis Scott Astro World concert. Right. And then you had um, uh, and then that went away. Right. Then young Dolph dies. Right. Guys gets killed. And that's big for about two days. And then that kind of goes away. And so um, I, I, I find that really interesting how the Internet's attention span is so short. So I decided that, again, in just the, the tradition of going against the grain, um, that, you know, I would actually like not do that. Right. I don't want to do that. I don't want to just talk about it for two days and move on. I want to see how it plays out. So sometimes I'll go look up something that people were talking about two or three weeks ago and say, what's the update? And so here's an update on the Travis Scott um, Astral World fiasco. Now, assume you know what happened. Uh, give me a yes if you know what happened. Give me a yes if you follow the story on any level. Give me a yes in the chat if you were even curious about how it's playing out. Um, so here's the deal. As of right now, Travis has, uh, he's dealing with approximately $2.75 billion worth of lawsuits, $2.75 billion worth of lawsuits. Now, from a financial standpoint, Travis Scott's net worth, um, if you Google it, I don't know. I mean, sometimes Googling net worth works, but sometimes it doesn't. Like, there are people who Google my net worth and stuff, and and they, they those people don't know me. So, so, so just, just stop it. Those people don't know nothing about my life. But literally, I I, I did. I was very surprised to find out that my, my net worth was on Celebrity Net Worth. But literally, these are websites where people 
just make up numbers because they know people are going to Google this stuff. So if you look up Travis Scott net worth for what it's worth, um, they claim, let's see here, that his net worth is $60 million. $60 million, uh, hey, shit, when you're going up against $2.75 billion worth of lawsuits. Uh, $60 million is nothing. That's like, I mean, imagine if you make 60000 No, sorry, scratch that. Let's say that you have $60,000 in your savings account and you get sued for $2.75 million. That's the equivalent. That's the comparison, right? I, I got 60 grand. Uh, maybe I make 50 grand a year because and I'm a good saver, right? And I get sued for $2.75 million. Well, you, you're done, right? You're done. And Meredith Coleman says, uh, and I haven't confirmed this, but it sounds reasonable, that they were they were covered for only $2 million. Uh, and I'd be curious. I'd be curious to know what the insurance uh, situation was with the Travis Scott concert. Uh, because as you know, at Astroworld, <clears throat> once you get to the point where people get where people just die, like somebody getting injured is one thing, but people dying is a whole nother level because what's the economic value of a death? Like what's a life worth? Like, I don't know. Somebody tell me in the chat, what do you think your life is worth? Put a dollar number on, on how much you would be willing to give up or how much somebody should pay you if they took your life. Put a number in the chat. How much How much is your, your life worth? G- give me give me a number. I, I'd like to see see how you answer that question. Because I don't know. I don't know what the number would be. I don't think there is a number, right? Theoretically speaking, right? So priceless. There we go. A million dollars, says Richard. Richard, uh, we got to talk to you about that self-esteem problem, brother. Uh, <clears throat> I think your life, Richard, is worth more than a million dollars. Uh, Van Frank says 10 million. Okay, that's more reasonable. Casey Moore says priceless. All right. And, uh, and so, so here's the deal. Okay, uh, and Belize says priceless. Yes, you are priceless. It looks like you you are a black woman, and uh, you as a queen are absolutely priceless because you do something that's really important for the black community. You actually have the capacity to give life. I mean, without you, we couldn't do nothing, right? But then again, without the black man, we ain't nothing either. So, uh, so with that said, um, so so he's being hit with the uh, two point seven five billion dollars worth of lawsuits. And what was interesting was uh, I was reading this BuzzFeed article, and they were really giving him actually some flack because. He appeared in public and he went to this uh, this thing where he was hanging out with um, these celebrities and, and it's like a golf tournament or something. And he was and Mark Wahlberg was there and Michael Jordan was there and he was like just kicking it with these celebrities, kind of just trying to move on. Right. And I think his girlfriend, Kylie, uh, you know, one of the Kardashians, which I've heard I've literally heard people accuse them of witchcraft, which I don't know. I, I, I just know they get lots of like butt surgeries and face surgeries and stuff. It's really fascinating to see what the Kardashians look like before and after the surgery. But um, but but she was taking some pictures of herself with with all these lavish Christmas decorations in her house. And, and that got a lot of criticism for good reason, uh, because this stuff is not over. But I think they're trying to just sort of move the narrative forward. They're like, look, you know, we're on to the, the next one, on to the next one. And I think that works in most situations where people don't actually die. Like, I think think that if it, we, were, we were dealing with a situation where people didn't actually die and there weren't these lawsuits for billions of dollars that are going to last for years to come, that you could just kind of move on. This is kind of tough to move on from. And I'd be curious to see how this plays out. And I'd be curious, like from a PR standpoint, how Travis is responding. I'd also be curious to see in Travis's world what his world looks like, because what happens is that when you have a controversy like that, and I've had I've had controversies, nothing like that. Like ain't nobody died at the All Black National Convention, thank God. Uh, you know, we've never had like billions of dollars worth of chaos. But but I've had lawsuits. I've had to deal with uh, 
crazy controversies with people, you know, saying things that in, some, in many cases that were not true. It was kind of terrible. And uh, but what's interesting is that when you're inside the wormhole, at least in my limited experience, I'm not Travis Scott by any stretch, but uh, in my wormhole, what you see from the inside of the tornado can be very different from what you see on the outside of the tornado. Right. So some people will say, well, how can he continue to move forward? How can he even have a career? Everyone hates him. <clears throat> well, everyone doesn't hate him. Right. You don't need everybody. And this is actually something good for you to know if you ever start a business. It, you know, everybody, you'll never be at a point where everybody just hates you. Right. Um, the question is not whether or not it's so called everybody hates you. The question is, does somebody love you? Right. Because the people that love you are the ones who actually support your business. The, the people that love you are the ones who are actually going to uh, help you pay bills. The people that love you are the ones who are going to be your ride or dies. That'll kind of keep things moving forward, even when everyone else hates you. So even if ninety nine point nine percent of the world hated your guts, remember, point one percent of the total world population. Uh, let me see. There's what, seven billion people on the planet. Uh, let's see. Ten uh, percent of that would be. Uh, 700 million, 70 million is 1%, 7 million people. So 0.1% of the world population is 7 million people. So imagine that. Imagine if 99.9% of the world hated your guts, but you had 7 million people who loved you enough to give you, I don't know, $100. Well, that's $700 million. You follow what I'm saying? So so when you, so this is maybe a little business tidbit, a little business game for, for anybody out here. It's just no, it's not about, how many people hate you. It's about whether or not you have a few people that love you. The people that love you are going to be the ones that have your back, just like in life, right? Even if everyone hates you, if you got your family and your family has your back, you can still do pretty well with just the family around you. So I think with Travis Scott, um, I think he's going to actually still have a career, right? I think he's still going to be able to uh, move forward and and eventually um, make, you know, make money and all that stuff. But I do think that this is going to linger over him like, like a nasty ass STD. Like I, I really think this is this is what I call a financial STD. This is one of those things you can't get rid of. Um, I think Travis is going to be in court for the rest of his life. I think that um, Travis reminds me of how hip hop in general is such a financially interesting um, profession. It's interesting because. Because first of all, I, I thought about hip hop a lot, you know, because I, I I'm a black man first and foremost, and I see what hip hop culture does to the community, right? I, I talked to you guys yesterday about you know excessive drug use and how that's warping the brains of so many young people, where they can't accomplish things. Like you can't accomplish a lot if you're a drug addict. It's just hard to do because you're focused on getting high, and um and 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 it was like, and so so with hip hop, I thought about it a lot in terms of like who benefits from it. Where does the money come from? Who pays the money and why? Who owns the media outlets, right? All this other stuff, right? You know, like you look at BET and you see the BET Awards where they'll throw any piece of shit on stage that they can just to get views and ratings and all that. Uh, but if you go to a lot of the concerts, like you go to Astro World, most of the audience is at, is, a hundred, is pretty white. Doesn't mean that there aren't black people spattered in there, but it's mostly white people. When I went to Houston uh, for Willie D's event, Willie D from the Ghetto Boys, he's a friend of mine. I remember I bumped into a bunch of white kids who were all headed to Astro World. That was my first time here hearing about it. it was 2019 and uh, they were real excited you know and they didn't look like you know they, they didn't look like they were from the hood they looked like they, they came from college you know so 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 a lot of times with hip-hop it's really interesting because there's a lot of money floating around um it was an industry created by black people where the wealth was taken by other people who actually were able to monetize our, our talent in a, in a more effective way uh the audience is primarily white which is why, you know, like even if all the black people said we're going to stop buying certain hip hop, 
it's not going to change anything because it doesn't matter what you're buying. It matters what they're buying. Right. So white people like those stories. They like the same way my father and I were watching the Godfather. Like we don't, we don't want to hear about regular Italian people doing regular stuff. We want to hear about the mafioso gangster types who are forming mafia families and going around killing people. That that's the interesting story. That's the one that sells. Right. Well, whereas uh, there are Italian people and I became sensitive to this when I watched the Sopranos one time, right. Again, feeding into the stereotype. And there was actually a group of families that were there that were, basically saying you know we don't like being portrayed as gangsters we, we're not all in the mafia like stop portraying us this way right so the same way they, they they portray all the italians as members of the mafia they portray all black men as you know t- thugs that have tattoos on their face with 85 gold chains that want to go have sex with anything that moves that have no respect for anybody that will go out and pull out a gun and go bust a cap in an old lady's ass you know just all these things that are really dehuman uh, like subhuman behavior like animalistic subhuman behavior uh, that that is uh, or doped up, ignorant as hell. Like it's just all these things, right? These things affect everybody, right? These images affect that black guy who tries to go to work, and he's he's like, well, I'm just an accountant. Like I'm not, and they're like, come on, dude. Like you don't like Travis Scott, man. You don't know the lyrics. Like oh, shot my nigga in the head yesterday. All these motherfuckers trying to play, right? You don't know the lyrics, and you're like, no, nah, man. I, I I'm a CPA asshole you know like like seriously like you're really just trying to be a regular person but yet everybody assumes that because you're a black man you can rap and play basketball right and if you can't rap and play basketball or you don't know about the latest rappers they look at you like you're crazy like oh you ain't really black you're not really black anybody ever seen that (laughs) or or even for the ladies right like if you are not down with Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B or Lizzo like people will think that you you're not really hip like you don't really know what's going on and you're like no i'm not down with any of that like i'm i'm, I'm down with francis chris wilson like that's you know it, you know that that's that's a woman that, that you can look at and say okay i want to be like her cardi b nah, not so much no disrespect but not so much right so um anyway do me a favor hit the thumbs up button share subscribe button if you haven't done it yet uh also by the way uh the black wealth Bootcamp launches in january so if you have not been a part of it it's really good it's a lifetime membership and we're doing a big discount for black friday so if you're interested in taking a look go to voicewalkins.com or if you're on instagram just click the link in the bio it's up there also some of you love the black wealth calendar that we had last year we have a black wealth calendar that has um lots of images of black families building wealth for every month and also there's a wealth lesson for every month that you can put on your refrigerator and uh, i just told you with wealth wealth is a culture and uh, effectively by doing little things like this you can shift the culture in your household you can create a wealth building culture in your household so if you're interested you can either go to blackwealthcalendar.com or also if you're on instagram just click the link the link in the bio or on voicewalkins.com so when any any one of those three things will get you uh, access to the calendar so feel free to go take a look all right so let me uh, also just sort of summarize on some of this right so with Travis Scott um, 2.5, 2.75 billion dollars in lawsuits. Um, it's probably going to continue. This also reminds me of the other interesting thing about hip hop and, and really wealth in general. In case you don't know, uh, anybody in here who's never had a lot of money, just know that when you have a lot of money, uh, it makes you a target for a lot of stuff. You're going to be you're, if you have money, you're going to be a target. And if you aren't prepared to defend yourself or aren't prepared to make smart decisions, then you're going to probably lose all your money. Uh, you know, and uh, and in fact, actually, rappers will rap about that. I don't know if you ever heard rappers rapping about like if you come through the hood shining and you got your chain out and your rims on your car and you, you look like you're rich, your your Rolex watch or whatever, like they'll rob you. Right. You become a target because you've got resources. Right. Anything that has resources becomes a target in China. The way they say it is they say the fattest pig will always get slaughtered. So one thing I, I learned about sort of having more money is you don't want to walk around like you're the fattest pig. 
because basically you're, you're going around telling everybody to, to test your gangster. And speaking of test your gangster, that was actually the name of a tour that Takashi 69 had. Takashi 69 is this rapper with all this shit on his face. He's trying to get attention. He's like such a weirdo. But anyway, he had a tour and I remember listening to the, <clears throat> excuse me, the title of his tour and it was called Test My Gangster. And I said, why would you ever have a tour where you're literally in a gangster culture where people die every day. 200 rappers have died this year, 200 rappers. Uh, I said, why would you ever call your tour Test My Gangster? Like, wow, you really must have studied for that test. Like, you really must be ready to pass that. Like, that's a hell of a test. That's a, that's a real tough, that's harder than the bar exam, right? And uh, and, and he, he was called Test My Gangster, which <clears throat> to me means you're going to pull all these people out of the woodwork who are maybe real gangsters. They're going to cause you some real problems. And the difference between you and a regular guy is a regular guy who's on the street, who's thugging out, he's got nothing to lose. You know, that's why he's thugging out. He's got nothing to lose, but you have a lot to lose. You know, you've got, um, you know, millions of dollars on the line. You've got people that you're feeding. You've got a whole community that's, that needs you to, you know, needs your financial support. Like typically that's what happens. You build this entourage of people around you that depend on you. So, so this, even just that basic idea of saying test my gangster is from a risk standpoint, a very um, awkward thing to say. You know, I feel like Tupac had that approach and you saw what happened with him. Uh, I think with Young Dolph, you know, when I saw him, uh, I was kind of like, I was kind of like, huh, you know, you, you got a lot of, you know, a lot of people out there trying to collect debts on you, so to speak, if you know what I mean. A lot of people trying to settle scores. I don't know if I'd be getting out of my bulletproof vehicle to go get some cookies, right? I think I would probably do DoorDash or something like that, right? Uber Eats, you know, whatever. I'm sure somebody would drive down and go get you some cookies, man. You know, I, I, you stay at the crib. I'm going to go get you some cookies, right? That's what they do with the president of the United States. If if, if President Biden or Trump or Obama said, uh, I'm going to go down and I want to test my gangster by going to the hood and getting some cookies, they would say, no, sir, let us go get your cookies or we'll make your cookies in the White House because we need you to be safe. Right. So ultimately, I would encourage everybody to understand that even on a basic microcosmic level, talking about you and your life, um, the more you kind of have these so-called come ups and the more you're doing, the better you're going to do financially, which all of you are because you're wealth builders. That's why you're here. You think differently. That's why not everybody follows me. Some people get pissed off and they leave and that's fine. But you stayed because you're different. Right. So as you may have your come up, just know that people will not see you the same. When you get more money, people will not see you the same. You'll see yourself the same and you'll want to be the same. You'll say, well, I want to keep it real. I want to still be myself. I don't want to change nothing, but you better change something. I mean, excuse my French. I mean, you, you better change something. You better change something. If you don't change, but your world changes, if you don't change and your circumstances change, then that's a problem. You know, I mean, that's a problem. You know, if I go if I go to church in the morning and I play for the Buffalo Bills and I'm going to be in a football game, if I'm at church at, at, at 10 o'clock and I'm I'm on the football field at two o'clock, I better change my uniform. I can't show up to the football game wearing church clothes. I can't, you know, when they hike the ball, I can't get on my knees and pray and say, well, I'm, I ain't going to change. I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it real. I'm going to keep it like I've been. No, you must always be aware of your circumstances because now you're facing a different situation with different threats, right? Different opportunities, different possibilities, different, you know, different scenarios, right? So as you go through your life, as your situation evolves, your, your actions must evolve. You must look at people differently. You have to process things differently. You have to take risks differently. And I think the big challenge for rappers, and I think about this with Travis Scott, is that rappers are rewarded for keeping it real, right? For keeping it 
keeping it grimy, you know, like, like I, I'm, I'm still the same old thug. I always was still the same OG. I'll still roll through the hood with a brick of cocaine and, and a, and a shotgun. And, you know, like, like, you know, and, and it's kind of, it's, it's unfortunate because, because what happens is that rappers become like the easiest targets in the world. Like, like for the feds, the feds just listen to your music. And when you're rapping about the guy you shot last week, or you're rapping about all the dope and, and, and the, the guns you have in the studio. Well, they're, they're sitting there trying to, they're taking notes. You know, they always been taking notes on black people. They're going all the way back to the 1950s when Malcolm X was, when they were plotting the assassination of Malcolm X, they, they were taking notes on Negroes, right? <laughs> they, they, they've been doing that. Right. So they're taking notes. Okay. In the studio with meth and weed and got the hookers on deck and, Got the AKs and like like a uh, shot Billy on 87th Street, right? Seriously, like, and they're taking notes on this, and, the, and it makes them easy targets. Also, another type of target that you become is similar to what happened with Travis Scott. Now, you know, with with these lawsuits, you know, lawyers are really good at smelling money. Like lawyers are lawyers. I have a lot of respect for for good lawyers because lawyers just know how to observe and understand where the money's at. So they just kind of they were like, okay, so people died, and, and, and as we mentioned earlier. Uh, human life is priceless, right? So, okay, so that means I can sue for damn near anything, and, and any number is justifiable. So, I got to pick a big one to scare the shit out of people. So, they'll settle and write me a big check. And then they're um, they're like, okay, who do we sue? Well, let's see, we're gonna sue Drake because Drake. Well, why Drake? Drake did what did he do? Well, because he's just rich. So, we're gonna sue him. We're gonna sue Travis. Well, what, why you sue Travis? Well, because he's rich. Um, we're gonna sue Live Nation. Um, we're gonna sue NRG. We're gonna sue every single person that was involved in this concert on any level because they have money. Right. And so, you know, so, so being a target is one of those things where uh, if you don't understand that dynamic, then you're going to have a problem. And I think that what's interesting too, with, uh, with Travis Scott is I think that he's going to have some problems with the fact that he's almost um, rappers are kind of, they kind of get a lot of credibility for acting oblivious. Like they just don't care about nothing. And, uh, and I still remember that's what happened when, um, uh, with Lil Wayne uh, in 2013, we 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 had a little little run in with Lil Wayne. wasn't nothing too crazy, but uh, you know he he made a lyric about Emmett Till. He's very disrespectful about Emmett Till, and Jesse Jackson's people called me about it, and I was offended too because I didn't think it was appropriate at all. And uh, we challenged Lil Wayne, um, and we basically his world tour got canceled by Mountain Dew because uh, we we put that pressure on Mountain Dew. And what I noticed was that the the whole persona of the of of some rappers is built on this whole like i don't give a damn about nothing because i'm you know all i care about is what's in my cup and hitting my weed and my women and i'm just like like just you know like if you look at travis scott's pictures every picture he does he's kind of like you know like this like kind of like not even looking at the camera like like i like i ain't got like i'm too famous to give a damn what you think and uh, and Lil Wayne kind of has that same thing. Like I'm 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 off I'm I'm off getting high. I ain't thinking about you. I don't give nothing about give a damn about you. So what happened was was interesting was it's it's like when things like that happen, there are people who slap the shit out of them and say, "Don't you, know, you need to pay attention?" And then they're like, "Man, I ain't got. I don't worry about it. You y'all take care of that. I'm just I'm be rapping and making records because they think that if they keep making records and they keep being whoever they are, every all those problems will go away. But with Lil Wayne, I remember noticing how. At each step of the process, he paid a little more attention, right? When you snatch that Negro's money away, like you take away his millions, suddenly you got all his attention. Suddenly he's in court doing, you know, uh, depositions and, you know, like he's, he's he's fully alert now, right? And so with Lil Wayne, I remember he, he was very, he didn't pay attention at all. Like he just kind of blew everything off for a minute. 
And then we said, I said, oh, I said, no, here's what you do. I said, don't go to Lil Wayne because he's never going to pay attention. He don't care nothing about black people. Go to Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew's his daddy. The corporation, just make no mistake about it. Rappers don't have any power. Entertainers don't have much power. Entertainers are puppets. You know, I, I don't want to talk to the puppet. I don't talk to the puppet master. Because you talk to a puppet, a puppet is going to do, you know, do what some of these rappers do. Just like what you want. Like the puppet ain't, puppet ain't even going to respond because the puppet has no brain. But if you go, at least not when it comes to really trying to be alert about what's going on, you go to the puppet master, the person who's got their hand up the puppet's ass and who's making the puppet talk. So I said, let's go to the puppet master. I said, let's go to Mountain Dew and let's talk to Mountain Dew. And uh, and we took it to him. We said, look, here's what he said about little about uh, Emmett Till. This was very disrespectful. You are disrespecting the entire black community. Um, the black community is a very forgiving community. Sometimes our self-esteem causes us to let people get away with shit they should never get away with. We're working on that. Uh, so so people are willing to forgive you for the fact that you have you're making millions of dollars uh, presenting a despicable image of the black man to white people. Uh, and, and 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 you're you, you know, we're going to let you go with that. But but when you put our name in your mouth, you need to put it in your mouth respectfully. You have to uh, you, you if you can't say something respectful, then don't say anything at all. Right. And uh, and so we went straight to Mountain Dew with that. And I noticed that as each stage happened. We got a little bit more of his attention. First, we got no attention. Then we got this stupid apology that was really stupid. No, actually, first the next stage was we got an apology from Epic Records because Epic Records had executives there that were like, "Okay, we see the severity of the situation. This is not appropriate." They took the lyric out of the song or whatever. And then uh, shout out to Emmett Till's family actually because they wanted to continue pushing forward. They actually called, kept calling me, and I was like, "Okay, well, let's let's keep trying." So the next stage was um, Lil Wayne issued a statement of apology, right? And I said, oh, somebody got to him. But the, but the thing was, the, the statement was not written by him. I said, this was not written by him. It was all like, it looked like it was written by some Jewish kid at Harvard. You know, I want to sincerely apologize for all the fans I might have affected. Sometimes as an artist, you express yourself in creative ways and you don't understand the implications of your actions. I'm like, no, nah, that ain't. Lil Wayne didn't write that shit. So, so, so then the next day, so the pressure kept coming. Right. And Mountain Dew was getting contacted and dealt with. And then Mountain Dew, somebody picked up the phone and said, you're about to lose your 20 million dollars or whatever you're going to get for your world tour. Then you started seeing him apologize on stage. And I said, see, now you're the, the hit dog always hollers. Now you see progress is being made because now he's on stage apologizing. And then he started doing, you know, how Negroes do when you when you when you, when you take him out at the knees. Right. They do the apology tour. They don't just apologize once. If you remember when when Snoop Dogg got into his little situation, he didn't apologize once to Gail King. He didn't apologize twice. He apologized like three or four times, right? <clears throat> and that over apologizing, let the Nick Cannon-ish type situation where you're apologizing and apologizing, apologizing, that to me translates to somebody got to your money and you are begging for your way back into Mass's house. And so he apologized on stage, and then he apologized on stage again. Then finally he issued a statement that had enough broken English to let me know that he probably actually did write this, right? Because they wanted to, to, appear, to appear more authentic. And uh, and at that point, I was kind of okay with that, right? But Mountain Dew wasn't. Mountain Dew actually cut the world tour. And and I and, and it was it was complex, right? Because I, I because I got a lot of feedback from people that said, Oh man, why are you hating? Why are you hating? You taking a black man's money, you you cutting into a black man's money. I'm like, no, yeah, but but you hating on the whole damn community when you are supporting this idea that uh that the black man should be presented and sold to the world as a complete buffoon. Um, you're hating on the black community. When you think it's okay for an artist, <clears throat> and 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 I, I remember checking out some of his lyrics, you know, listen to him very carefully, where he literally had a lyric where he said, "I'm gonna steal your girl, I'm gonna make her nut for me, then slut for me, 
kill for me and steal for me. And of course, it'll be your cash. And then I'll murder that bitch and send her body back to your ass. And I said, so you have, you know, you're you you think that because you think money don't understand. Nobody knows money. Very few people understand money better than I do. You know, I, I have a Ph.D. in this stuff. I've been teaching college students for 30 years down there. Um, I know money extremely well. I know money better than 99.9% of people will ever understand it. And But also when I know money, I know the power of money. And I know when that power, how, how much influence that power should have over you. I understand the limitations of that. I know money is powerful like a drug. And with a drug, a drug can heal you and make you better. But a drug can also turn you into an addict. A drug can also ruin your life. So money has power. And I said, so so what you're kind of telling me is that the money has so much power over you that you will sell anything to get that dollar. You will sell your dignity. You will sell your children. You will sell your whole damn community. You will sell your soul to get that dollar. I, I can't go with you on that. I can't go with this narrative that says that the well-being and the financial well-being of one artist is more important than the well-being spiritually and psychologically and, and health-wise of an entire community of 40 million people. You see, you got to understand one of the big challenges with hip-hop, and I, I, I like a lot of hip-hop music. I'm not going to sit and be a hypocrite about it because they're very talented. The challenge with hip-hop music is that is that the implications are global. You know, a David Banner, shout out to David Banner, who said that he um he said he stopped, he stopped doing what he was doing because he went overseas. And he started seeing how black people were being viewed by the world because they are literally taking the most atrocious images of you and spreading it through the world like horrible propaganda. They are literally telling the whole world that you are ignorant. They're telling the whole world that you are raggedy. They're telling the whole world that you ain't nothing but a bunch of drug addicts. They're telling the whole world that you don't love your children. They're telling the whole world that the black man cannot even protect his own woman, that he despises her. They're telling the whole world that you are responsible in every way imaginable, that you don't take care of your families. They're telling the whole world that you are worthless. They are dehumanizing you. And uh, if you go to Instagram right now and you go to the page of Maj Ture uh, from Black Guns Matter, Maj is my homeboy out of Philadelphia. Maj Ture was explaining that how dehumanization is one of the um, one of the mechanisms that's used to justify extermination. Did y'all know that? That when they start to dehumanize you, when they start to present you as just less than human, they start putting you in the same category as an animal. And I, and then, so if I tell you that, you know, a hundred people got killed you know, last week, you would say, whoa, that's terrible. But if I tell you a thousand sheep got slaughtered, you're not even going to blink an eye. And so, and that's why, for example, with the Travis Scott fiasco was real fascinating because, because when 200 rappers died last year, Nobody gave a damn. They felt like, oh, they should die anyway. They're, 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 that's the life they're choosing, right? When uh, hundreds of people get shot in cities like Chicago, nobody really cares. Uh, last, just, just the other day, I read a story about a mother of six, a mother of six who was murdered in Chicago on the same block that her son had just been killed a week before, right? None of this made national news. None of this made the headlines. Nobody's talking about any of this. But when eight or nine college students get killed, pay attention now, eight or nine college students die at a Travis Scott concert. Well, that's that's a national headline. Right. That's a big deal. Like, whoa, wait a minute. What's what's going on? You mean were there white women that died? Were there white white women were white women were harmed? Well, that's terrible. Oh, Lord. Right. So 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 understand this happens because very subtly 
you get dehumanized through media-based propaganda, which means that when you die, people don't react the same way as when they die, right? When my homeboy Greg Wilkins in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, got shot uh, back when we were 25 years old, he got shot in the head in front of his daughter. I'm going to his daughter's uh, graduation next week. She graduated uh, magnum cum laude in her program. I'm super proud of her. And I cry, I cry inside when I think about it because I know my homeboy's in heaven watching his little girl you know, give that commencement speech. I'm, I'm so proud of her, you know, and, uh, and but when he died, when my friend Greg died, I remember that uh, the media literally put his death in the back of the newspaper, like at the bottom, like it was like, oh, another Negro died today. The same week, a white woman from the suburbs who worked at a bank got killed on her way to work. They talked about her death on the headline of the newspaper every single day for a week. And I remember that was one of my first uh, awakening moments where I said, man, why are they talking about this lady's death every day on the headline, but they have nothing to say about my friend, right? Who had a daughter, you know, who had a family, who's a real human being. And, and it's, uh, and, and that's because that's what racism does. So you must be very careful when you allow other people to dehumanize you or to misrepresent you, because what that's going to do is it gives people an excuse to disrespect you and to exterminate you. So when your child gets shot in the street, Everybody says, well, he was probably dealing dope because that's what they do or that, you know, she was probably out here running the streets, acting like a little hooker because that's what they because Cardi B says that's all the little black girls do. Right. So you got to be thoughtful about this. If you if you just sort of let money be the excuse for why you let anything slide, then guess what? Everything's going to slide. Right. And you're going to slide right down the ranking. And when it comes to how human beings are evaluated. So anyway, that's my that's my two cents. Those are my Sunday morning thoughts. Um, I don't have any more for right now. I'm going to get out of here. Hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe button. Uh, just a reminder, we are launching the Black Wealth Bootcamp in January. It's very good, very powerful and and very popular. Everybody loves it. So if you want to take a look, go to boyswalkins.com. If you're watching on Instagram, the link is in the bio. Uh, for 24 hours, there's a, a big discount on it because it's Black Friday, right? So 76% off. So feel free to go take a look at that. Uh, also, if you want a Black Wealth calendar, those are up there as well. So boyswalkins.com or the link is in the bio on Instagram. All right, guys, I'm out of here. Have a great day. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And uh, I will talk to you guys soon. Take care. Peace.